Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by OnX Hunt. We are excited to be here for another episode. If this is your first time joining us for the show, welcome. Truly happy to have you here. We aspire to create content and episodes that are engaging, informing, entertaining, and basically something in there for everybody that has something to do in the outdoors outdoors men and women hunters conservationists all that good stuff um one thing before getting to the episode if you have time please take a minute and go to our page on apple podcast and leave us a rating and write us a review and do the same on spotify with the exception of review you can't write those there but you can leave us a rating um takes literally seconds maybe a minute if you go the review route and it helps the show a ton so please just take a little bit of time out of your day and do that. Today's episode is a fun one. We have a new guest to the podcast, Garrett Gray, who has been a product manager and working in the products of Primos for several years now. And um, Garrett recently went on an elk hunt with us to New Mexico. And it was fun to get a perspective on someone that's doing these elk hunts that hasn't been on just a ton of them or hasn't been with the same group like uh, we have for years it's, it's, so it's it's a nice fresh perspective um, and it's a perspective of, of someone that hasn't got to go just a ton and so I, I think it's insightful for somebody that is wanting to go elk hunting that has never been before someone that's been able to go a little bit but not a lot um I just think there's a lot of good information in there. Plus, Garrett is a real fun, high-energy guy. He was extremely fun to have in camp, and it was fun to hear him recount his time in elk country. So I'm going to quit rambling, and we'll get right into the episode. Thank you for listening. You good to go? Yeah. Cool. Let's do this. Cool. Um, I can hear the coffee making. It's fine. Yeah, I mean it's early this morning. We got you, got you up and running. Unfortunately, don't I? Well, you had to. No, man, you could, <laughs> you're good. You had to uh, drop your kid off, and yep. you got work to tend to. Let's yeah. get. Let's give you a uh, an, an informal, formal introduction. Okay. Um, Garrett Gray, you've been with Primos for a little over seven years now. Seven years. Yep. Started it as an APM. And uh, now I'm a PM, work mainly on pro, uh, Primo stuff. Yeah. So, like, even for me that knows what you do, when you said APM, yeah. I had to sit there for a second and go APM. So, for yeah, let's uh, divulge that, that acronym for a yeah, second. Yeah, sure. So, assistant product manager. Yeah. Um, work on all new products, the products that are currently in the market, uh, what's out there, what's selling, what's not, you know, just taking care of that line, making sure that those products are moving forward. Mm -hmm. And then also coming out with new products, bringing them from concept all the way through uh, getting them into stores right. for consumers. Yeah. So started out as a young pup, um, as an assistant product manager. And seven years later, I'm a product manager and pretty much handling all the Primo side. You know, we have multiple right. brands that we run. So, right. Yeah. But yeah. I'm mainly focused on that Primo side. Yeah, I knew it meant seven years. It's like, well, I knew, I mean, because you had been there, like I had been there nine years before mm. the OnX transition. So it was like, and I knew you'd been there a long time too. But when you said, when you put a number by it, it's like seven years, you've been there a minute. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, moved down here. I just can't believe we moved down seven years ago and just haven't looked back. You took a leap too. I mean, because it yeah. wasn't like, so Garrett didn't move to Mississippi from Alabama a little couple hour drive like tell folks where you were originally so 
originally i'm from upstate new york about two hours north of new york city in yeah. the catskill mountains is where i grew up yeah. um and then went to college out in ohio and that's mm. where i went, met my wife and uh we ended up getting both our first jobs in our in that college town yeah she's a teacher and i went into uh the business side and i was uh i was started as an apm out there as well and worked my way up to a product manager but i was doing you know some soccer stuff and some yeah. outdoor games billiards darts just wasn't really my passion or anything and, right you know saw an opening online and said let's give it a shot and Next, then you got it a couple interviews later and i'm down in mississippi yeah all the way from <laughs> upstate new york to new ohio to it was florida mississippi when you went at the time yeah yeah, yeah. That is crazy. Um, well, this is your first time on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, happy to have you here. Thanks for showing up to my house at 7 a.m. when you have plenty of other things to do, I'm sure. But well, <laughs> it's just it's just Microsoft Excel and PowerPoint, man. <laughs> it's, it's down to the grind for me. Um, but the reason specifically for, for having you on today is, like I said, last week, Brad and I were talking about elk and elk hunting and talking about all the hunts that we had and kind of diving into those and then i, I thought like i said i texted you yesterday because i just kind of had the thought i was like that was garrett's first time out with us yeah you know and uh seeing that kind of play out you know the the whole experience top to bottom and there's there's a lot of ways that we could take that, that i want to take that conversation per se mm -hmm. um but from like t t did you have uh, prior to pre coming to primos like did you did, was was elk something you ever had like any any real aspirations to do like did you ever looked at that and was like man i want to do that one day or no yeah. okay i mean everyone does if you're in the hunting industry right I think, right you know it's, yeah. it's creme de la creme it's like if you get a chance to go elk hunting start building up your points or whatever yeah you, you do it yeah um but I will say the experience that I had with you guys is unreal, unbelievable. I, I, I don't have the right word for it. I mm -hmm. mean, it was just, it's not what I ever thought it was going to be in the best way possible. Huh. Okay. Like it, you see this on, you see it on film, you see it on TV and everything, but actually being out there and watching it firsthand. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm still shaking a little bit just from, <laughs> just from, you know, thinking about what was going on yeah it was crazy i it's it was good for me or let me think so the first elk hunting experience i had ever had was with primos mm. like and it was it was a we were similar in the fact that like i said elk hunting was always something it was like i would like to do that but i'd never done it never had the opportunity mm. even you know new york or mississippi neither of them are elk country as to the, as today's standards yeah. fall yeah. you know so um it wasn't something that was just readily available to to you or i and i remember i was telling brad this i was like i remember the after the first you know afternoon when we were out i saw you know you and we were all talking around talking i said garrett had the same look on my face that i did after the first roundabout with these things <laughs> yeah i mean it's just seeing them it, it doesn't do it justice seeing them on film mm -mm. until you're in there and you're watching them come in yeah. or you're watching the boys in the back because i was with the, i was with the boys in the back learning the calling side yeah and just uh it, the sounds the yeah. inflections and in, in the tones I, I know you guys do a great job trying to bring that through mm -hmm. speakers 
but actually listening to it is just crazy. Yeah, no, I take zero offense to that. It's it, and someone who's been played a part in video for a long time now. Like I'm fully aware, it, it, you can't. I believe the full the best cinematography team in the world could not replace or give give a justified feeling of what it's like to actually be there doing it. Yeah, because you're you're not. You're hearing it, but you're also feeling it. Yeah. Especially when they get in close. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just crazy. Yeah. Well, you can smell them too. Oh, you man. Know? Yeah. Like, that's one thing. It was like, unless they have 40 televisions one day, there's yeah. something about the, the way rut and elk smell. Oh, man. Yeah. You ain't kidding there. I used to, uh, well, I still do. I did it on the first bull of this trip. I would take, when we got one, I'd take my hat and I'd take the, the front of it and I'd wipe it on the hock. And Brad would always look at me and be like, you're crazy. You're going to smell that for the rest of the trip. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a little cover scent for you. You're up close yeah. with all the hunters. You're, you're the guy filming. That's what people don't understand. You're, you're the guy right next to the shooter, you know, yeah. making sure he's getting that shot. So a little cover scent never hurts. <laughs> um, so about like the, the – let's go like straight into the calling aspect of it because you got thrown into the calling part like quick yep <laughs> um because here's so the way this worked is like when we first rode out there it was brad myself um david holder from raised hunting and uh jason harris who mm -hmm. works at primos with us and we were there for four or five days i don't remember and then by the time you and jacob got there um we had already killed some bulls but also like the rut had already accelerated in you know where mm -hmm. we were and so by the time y'all got there they were it was go time it was go time yeah um and so what that's like literally y'all were thrown into it like they were it wasn't yeah. like let's see how he likes this cow call i mean it was full on just oh, yeah. just screaming and stuff yeah. and so um tell me about like the first elk that we got on that you get thrown into that calling like like what was that well it was that afternoon uh jacob got on i think we got in in on two groups yeah and yep. um that first one there was three or four bulls up in there yeah and uh you know i was in the back with brad mm -hmm. and slade yeah and they were awesome they basically said for your first you know first couple times just be my ghost you know especially yeah. slade yeah and you know so you're you're in the back and the amount of communication and focus that is back there is just unreal i never <laughs> thought that it was going to be like that yeah i mean especially because that time there was three different bulls we were trying to bring them in then one kind of started off then we started working another one and you know hand signals running here and there trying to get these bulls to come in it's just it's something that you it's hard to portray on film it is it, and it's but it's so fun yeah i mean it is so fun being back there yeah running with it, it, it is and i thought like if you had asked me, like no one thinking about you coming into this trip and being your first time, mm. like I, and knowing like what that first experience is like, if someone was like, uh, if someone asked me, was there any part of this that I took for granted? I'd be like, no, man, not, no. But one thing that you brought up is you, you were talking about the level of organization back there and the calling and all that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I took that part for granted. Yeah. Like I forgot how how kind of like how much those guys like they've gotten it down and i say those guys because they taught it to me i didn't you know yeah um 
how much they've pretty much got it down to a system. Like Brad, Brad will be back there. He looks like a third base coach, yeah. signaling people yep. where to go. But he's been doing him and him and Wilbur have been doing this for so long that mm-hmm. when things happen, they just fall into a rhythm and they just go. Yeah, and I mean third base coach is exactly right. So, <laughs> so basically, Brad, Brad will kind of start about fifty yards off you guys. Yeah, and then Slade and I would back up even more. Brad always has, you know, eyesight on you guys, seeing what's going on, and then he's directing us. Yep. And I will. It's like organized chaos back there because toward the end, I was able to get good enough where I was going one way, Slade was going the other way. Yeah. Still working that bull. Um, but I, I wanted to make sure I always had eye contact with both of them. Yeah. Um, and I guess organized chaos is just the, the word I have it's for it right apt now. I mean. Yeah. The, the communication and the hand signals, they do it, but I could tell very quickly that those guys don't need it, yeah. to your point. Yeah. Slade and Brad, they don't need it because they've been doing it so long and so yeah. good at it. Um, they were basically doing that for me, which I'm very thankful <laughs> well, for. Well, in that situation, yes, um, because you were, like I said, you were very much in a, in a learning situation. Yeah. I've seen it. We didn't have to do it um, when y'all were there because, again, the rut was kicking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um but when you get sometimes an earlier stage in the rut or you find a bull that doesn't just come charging in, a lot of times what you'll see is the caller have to drop further back and further back yep. and further back. And um, last year, I want to say it was Jordan's bull, but um, Brad was only like 40 yards behind us. Like I could turn around and see Brad easily, but Brad wasn't really doing any calling. What yeah. Brad was doing is Brad was quite literally like he was look listening at the bull, looking for the bull. He would turn around and he would have his binos scanning for Wilbur. Mm. And Wilbur always had his eyes on him because Brad hadn't moved. And you'd see him see Wilbur and he would signal and he'd point that. I mean, he was literally because Wilbur was so far back. Yeah. You know, and he was looking for Brad and Brad would tell him where to go. So I, I've seen that he, even the third base coach he wouldn't have to play out for will but that's because they have to drop back so far yeah yeah and i know you know some guys i i read some comments on people on on the post <laughs> saying oh it takes you guys five guys to to kill a bull this and that but you know i think now that i've been in it i mean it's ethically right i mean what you guys are filming too so you guys got two guys just on cameras yeah right but those callers are so important bringing that bull past the shooter yeah that way they have that ethical shot. They yeah. have that broadside shot sure. that, that you guys yeah. instill in people that come to camp. Yeah. Broadside. Yeah. Like, not quarter two, not really quarter away, definitely not frontal. Yeah. Broadside. Like, you yeah. guys really instilled that yeah. um, on Jacob. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way I was taught to do it. Uh, I mean, like, Brad and I got into this a little bit on the last episode. It's like frontal shots and like I know folks that will argue with me until they're blue in the face on this. Like I know guys that will take frontal shots, guys that I respect, respect what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not necessarily knocking anybody for doing that. I'm just saying I'm not doing it. I'm yeah. just not. Um, it, that wasn't Will and Brad or the ones that taught me how to elk hunt. They feel very strongly about it. Um, I yeah. trust their judgment. And that's like I said, that's part of the reason we do what we do and how we set up is to have a not – facing you shot yeah, yeah. yeah and that's why you have these other people to to help out calling bringing yeah. that elk through the hunter not just having to get hung up on yeah them. 
most of the times to which the guys that say those comments on our post most of them can go kick rocks but they <laughs> but but you know I, I like doing it that way like i've tried the solo method before i've done it with fewer people i'm just being strictly from not even a successful standpoint like it's just more fun yeah it oh, is yeah. man like it, it really is and absolutely and that's a preference thing for me like i know guys that um some of the guys i work with at on x um don't like one of the main ways they've learned to do it is just going out solo and that's what they enjoy doing that's fine yeah you know i yeah. mean that's it's a but for me it's a it's a preference thing like having that group of people out there and then there's the fellowship aspect of it and the camaraderie and the i mean it's just yeah. it's just a lot it's of an fun. experience and yeah. you're enjoying everyone's hunting yes there's a shooter but everyone's in that hunt yeah when jacob killed that ball like yeah i think i even shook or slade was right there with the camera i was shaking yeah i was like and i even told the camera i'm shaking i'm so excited <laughs> just for him i didn't yeah. even pull the trigger but yeah the fact that other people you bring other people on the hunt yeah and that's that's what we're doing that's yeah. what you want to do to grow hunting yeah is got to get people out there yeah so go with your buddies how how close did that elk get to you? Like, I know it was real close oh, to Slade and Brad. I was about 10 yards from him because that that situation was so fast. So let, let's dive into this one a little bit. So, okay. so Jacob um, uh, was hunting, and Jacob and Garrett worked together, both of them in the product side, and Jacob had a tag. And uh, Jacob had hunted, this was day three? Day three. Yeah. Um, and we get on this bull and it's kind of like the re the and I, I phrase it this way not just because i personally am a turkey hunting fanatic but yeah typically like you know this like m most of our listeners like we definitely um we definitely get some listeners from you know the western states but as far as our elk listeners go most of those guys are the guys that are from not elk country they're guys like you and me yeah. that have to travel to get there so normally if i correlate I, I correlate it in the term of turkeys because yeah. I'm like, that's just translatable to everybody, you know? And it's one of the games that you're actually calling still. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the thing that I can liken it to, cause I've seen this, a very similar situation play out with turkeys is you're hearing a turkey and he's gobbling from the same spot and he's not really moving, but it's like, as soon as you get in that bubble, that zip code kind of encroach on them, the whole demeanor changes, the intensity changes, the whole hunt changes. Oh yeah. Well, that's what happened with Jacob's bull. So we had yeah. we, we almost like we almost left him or yeah. not left not really left him but just didn't decide to pursue him because yeah. there was another bull like down the hill mm -hmm. and or down you know and we were like it, we we're already above that one this one you know it, it's kind of a thing that we do if you get on them late morning to midday you kind of typically want to be even with them or above them but I anyhow I don't even remember how. The decision was made to give that one a shot but we started working towards him i think brad just kept walking yeah just and we were like okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i think brad just kept walking next thing you know we were in the thick stuff and you didn't even get set up no you uh, were on two legs yeah i so that's the thing <laughs> if you're like i've i've gotten to film a lot of elk hunts like i i've 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 been a very blessed individual, you know I mean? Just cause like I said, getting able to be in that part of it, like the call, yeah. the calling is great. The shooting is great. Being able to film is great. I mean, just cause you're, like I said, it's all great cause you're there, yeah. you know? 
anyhow, the the filming part can get hectic because um, L cutting, as you saw, can go zero to sixty in seconds. And uh, Brad, being the intense individual that he can be, uh, started calling to that elk when we could, like we were walk. We'd been walking for a while, and the elk hadn't bugled, and we hadn't called. And all of a sudden, some, I can't. I think Brad cow called or bugled yeah, he or cow call and we were like oh god like yeah. we're there he is yeah like he <laughs> like we were on a ridge and he was just down in this drainage i mean like maybe a hundred yards if that and so we were like we need to set up very quick and so i ha- i wouldn't even set the camera up yet i'm standing there with jacob and like i'm trying to make sure jacob's good to go because that's part of the whether or not jacob needed it or wanted it like when i'm it, with somebody yeah. that's you know trying to fill their first tag for the first time yeah. i, I kind of I've, I've hunted with enough which it's not like jacob's new to the hunting at all no, but i've hunted no. with enough people that you know i've just i'm trying to i'm i'm as much trying to get ready to film as i am like make sure that hunter's good to go you know so and I'm that like, was his first time on film so yeah, you want yeah. to make sure he's which is a lot up. which is a lot dude it's a, a lot. lot of pressure yeah yeah so any all that's happening and brad goes to call and i'm like i'm not even ready yet and so i'm like scrambling trying to get my tripod legs out and y'all are all rushing back there and so yeah i literally had two legs of my tripod out and was just having to do a balancing act because this bull was on top of us yeah and y'all hadn't even made it that far back which you didn't have to because it was so thick maybe and we were running yeah i might have got 40 yards back yeah maybe that and I mean, we were all so close. I mean, at that point, we didn't know if he was going to get hung up or not. At least my personal thought process was, like I said before, I saw Slade and Brad go, and I knew where they were going. And then I went about 10 yards lower than Jason went 10 yards lower than yeah. me, just in case, you know, Have the wasn't doing covering. anything. So yeah. If we needed to move, we could start calling for him. But mm-hmm. that was a situation where, Jason and I didn't touch our calls. Yeah. It happened so fast, and Brad and Slade knew exactly where to go. They went there, maybe called a couple of times. I mean, that guy was screaming. He was there. In. Yeah. He was there. And I've seen that happen, man. If you can get – I mean, like I said, we call it encroaching on them, getting in their bubble, getting in their zip code. But it's I've seen that happen enough times where they'll sit there and lay down in their bed and bugle, but the second you get close to them like that, the whole game changes. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Because I heard you guys talk about it while we were walking, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find elk and stuff like that. But to be in that situation is it's just totally different. And, yeah. you know, I guess you just get them angry enough. I, what, what do you think that is? There's probably someone who's elk hunted more than me or a biologist to elk that could explain this better. But mm-hmm. I... I kind of look at it as almost like a bell curve. And what I mean is like, so like, like a bell curve is in like the bell curve is representative of the, the distance away you are from that elk and how they're react, how they're reacting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you find a bull, the bull Jason Harris killed like the second or third, the first bull we killed while we were out there. I can't remember what day it was like, um, case in point just being able to as be in on many elk hunts as i'm able to be in on you start picking up on certain behaviors right Mm. so jacob's bull jason's bull excuse me jason harris's bull we call him he walks out onto the edge of this wide open meadow and slade and uh brad are back behind us calling in the drainage down below us but it requires this bull 
to walk across this wide open meadow. Yeah, and tough. I'm looking at it and I'm going never in a million years. Like mm. just, they just don't do that. You, I mean, you, you saw elk do yeah. it while we were there the first afternoon that one ran to the top of that little hill and looked down and was like, there's no cows. Yeah. I'm and out. he left. Yeah, yeah. That's normally how it goes. And he kept walking towards us and bugling and he went from like 300 yards to 150 and I'm still not buying it. Like I'm waiting for any second for that bull to just stop and give us a nice, awesome show, bugle in that meadow, and then turn around and walk back. He marched in, and Jason shot him at like 10 yards. Yeah. It all depends on the mood. He was already up. He was looking for a cow. This bull that Jacob ended up killing, he was bedded down. I think I think when a bull's laying down, that bell curve immediately gets smaller. Like you immediately yeah. have to get a lot closer to him to make him – react because he's, he's like man i'm i'm good i'm content it's yeah. hot yeah because especially like this time of year or, or the time of year when he killed that bull um he's bedded down i if if i was a betting man i'd say he had cows with him yeah. and so it's like if you're calling at him from a couple hundred yards away like we were doing originally he's like oh, I, got, yeah. I got cows you know even if he hears another bull bugling he's like he's no threat yeah. but next thing you know He's bedded down with all his ladies, and someone starts bugling and bugling one. Then he's like, "This dude's trying to come in on me." If he's cow, if you're cow calling, then he's like, "One of my girls got away." You know, oh, yeah. it's it's on, yeah. it's on top of him. It goes from not a threat to this is something I have to deal with. That's yeah. that's what I think. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was just a, one of those scenarios where you're you're always learning in the woods, mm-hmm. and obviously for me with this hunt, I was. I was like a, you know, a sponge man, picking everything up. But, <laughs> yeah. but you got to thinking about that, and, and I was just curious why, why some of them do that. Man. Yeah. Have it, you experienced something like that before? Yeah. Where you had to yeah. really get in on them and, and mm-hmm. kind of pull them out? Yeah. It, it all, it, it depends on, I mean, like this is a Wilbur quote, but it's taking their temperature, mm-hmm. you know? And I think me and Brett, we've said that a bunch of times. Like, I think we had to make press in on them and make them do anything. Especially yeah. when they get when they get cows like that, you um, several times like bedded up elk. Uh-huh. You have to really get in on them, otherwise, again, the bulls are just like I've got my cows, and that's no threat over there. Yeah, you have and to press. The hard part is, I mean, just the wind, right? So the wind was right for us, but yeah. you get in some of those gullies and everything. The wind swirls on you. You press too hard. Yeah, you could blow a whole herd out. Yeah. Well, that's what D- David was saying, and that is the like the most blatant difference between the turkey and elk hunting comparisons is turkeys there's no wind is never a factor yeah unless it's so loud you can't hear but that's about it you're not worried about a turkey winding you but like a a bull i mean shoot we had elk wind us on this trip um Mm -hmm. while i was hunting we had we were trying to do exactly what you and i were just talking about there was a bull with cows and we had sat up and called to him from 150 yards away and nothing doing and we'd snuck into him and i mean i was looking at the bull at like 80 yards the guys are back calling and i watched the bull all of a sudden his nose goes up in the air yeah and phoom, gone. done yeah man i'll tell you what i brought one wind checker out there i was like i'll be back i don't <laughs> one's fine right yeah that was just a mistake yeah i mean you guys have to go through you guys were out there for two weeks i was out there for one you guys had to have gone through multiple bottles it's a um all the sad stories you hear about elk hunting are about the wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I said, D- David Holder said it. He said, I think the number one thing that a bow hunter 
and an elk bow hunter has to fight is the wind yeah because it's i mean like if the wind ever turns against you you're done i mean this is comical because obviously this won't come across on shows but as an outsider coming in it mm. is comical how many people how many different guys look at their weather app we were running five different weather apps on like five different phones and everyone was <laughs> cross-checking them seeing yeah. what, what's the wind doing well what's yours saying it's doing well mine's saying it's out of the northwest well mine's saying it's out of the out of the west yeah well i mean it, it was comical but it's so important to get that right because that determines where you guys are going to go yeah it and it's like um you can't i mean it's you can't overstate how important it is yeah i guess and basically like we were fortunate out there most of the time we had consistent winds but what what gets you is like you were saying when you get in certain drainages or a, a gully mm. or something the, the last afternoon we were hunting with uh david and we got in just this kind of just this real tight drainage and walking into there the the wind was perfect but when once we got in there that wind was turning every which way but loose and we yeah. were like this was n like we were looking at we ended up looking at the biggest bull we had seen all week mm -hmm. and david and i were completely on the same page none of us i didn't want to admit it because i wanted david to shoot that bull but david was like we're done like yeah. we can't like we can sit here and call to him but if he ever even starts coming this way he's not going to make it to yeah, us yeah you're toast yeah it's, it's just not going to happen yeah that's how it was i was fortunate enough because you guys did such a good job killing they they got me a cow tag yeah so when you guys were out with david hunting jacob and i went to try to kill a cow yeah. which crazy how hard that is it's, it's difficult <laughs> this time of year for but, sure yeah i mean the wind got us our first afternoon trying to do that yeah. i mean so how that worked out we had a section because you guys were hunting you guys were like all right this is your section try and make something work yeah yeah um and we walked in there and and we got on got on some but you know we got winded yeah probably twice yeah and then i was able to put a stock on on some you know a herd a couple hundred yards away but the wind going into where we were hunting the wind was terrible but mm -hmm. we we managed to get our way up top and then next thing you know they came from the uh from the west and got below us and the way that that wind was i was able to actually get down on them i was too late but it's funny how certain situations you think the wind is bad and it is bad yeah. and you'll get you in trouble but <laughs> next thing you know there's an opportunity because of it yeah i mean at the end of the day these these things are wild animals they're they're gonna do what they they do yeah. and they get below you and there's an opportunity to take it yeah it, it is um learning how to work the wind and it's like we that place we that we hunt in new mexico is it's nice nice is a understatement yeah because we typically have consistent winds out there yeah typically typically uh, <laughs> when we were i was in arizona with wilbur last year and when i like i've never fought wind harder than him and I and Titan did. Titan's the guy we were hunting with. Okay. For like the eight days we were out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the dangest thing. I mean, talk, I mean, there, I can't tell you how many times we would be set up on a bull, and towards the end of the week, I would just see Wilbur. Wilbur would just kind of look at me and throw his hands up, and I knew what that meant because I mean, yeah. you just, I mean, the wind was just constantly switching and just, just it killed so many hunts, but. 
to your point like i know we kind of went down a wind rabbit hole there yeah, but, but yeah. yeah it's like yeah the wind is the wind is the the end all be all in elk hunting mm-hmm. if, if the wind's not with you you're not killing an elk you're just not well it's one of those things i've learned um you know the first first time it, jacob's hunt that that afternoon where we got into him kind of on that t- top of the meadow there yeah yep um, the tank yeah and i was i was with brad and they were coming in and they came in close that was the first time bull came in close and he stomped his foot looked at me and i looked at him and he gave me that hand signal like stop <laughs> like don't move yeah i froze absolutely froze i was just scared i was like you will not be the guy that screws up that this, messes this up yeah um <laughs> but but where, where i'm going with this is i was i was watching him and you can still move a little bit yeah like him and slade can have learned how to move even when they're in close yeah now yeah. i was too scared to do that <laughs> for sure right but but you you can still move mm-hmm. and it's just it's those little intricacies that yeah. that they do and uh and even the way they call when they start getting in close it's real soft i know i afterwards after one of the hunts brad came up to me and and he was like hey you know when they get in close like that it gets exciting but you just gotta like soften it down because yeah. they're in close and and you just got a little excited i was calling a little bit too much he goes hey just one one single note you know mm-hmm. and make it softer and i was like okay yeah so taking a step back and learning all that stuff it, it is a whole and it's, it's a the more it's the same thing like there's not not jacob there was another guy that i hunted with probably two or three years ago now but he had never shot an elk with a bow before mm-hmm. and we had an elk i can't remember if the elk was like closing distance and we could tell it was close just couldn't see him yet or, or what but i there was i had to move and same kind of deal like i just been around elk enough and i knew our setup i knew certain movements that i could get away with yeah well i start moving and the dude that's shooting starts freaking out He's like, dude, yeah. I'm like, dude, I, it's it's fine. Like you got, if if you, I guess if you've been around them enough yeah. and you 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 judge your movements and you you know they're calculated. There's things you can definitely get away with. But before I'd been around, been able to be around a lot of elk at close range, I would do the same thing you were doing. Like, yeah. I, dude, the first year I filmed with Primos, there was several times in that first year's footage there were elk that not that we shot, but there was elk that. uh I did not get on film because I was scared to death to move. Yeah. Just like, just freeze, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to realize, like, especially if you have a call set up like we did, that elk's looking through you. Yeah. There's a lot of intention drawn away. I mean, it's, he's, he's not concerned with you up close. He's trying to figure out where them cows and shadows also. Right. Yes. Right. (laughs) Shadow, shadow, shadow. Get in the shadow. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was another thing when we were up in the Pallone. Uh huh. Um, we were moving and he, they popped right over that ridge. Yep. They got me. I mean, I was right out in the open. Yep. And I was just sitting there and I was the only one not behind a tree or anything because I was trying, I was following Brad, trying to get behind him, but yeah. he popped over and I froze. And what do you do then? Then I was really still. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, not even moving my eyes. And I was, it was one of those like, I'm not even going to look at you. I'll just yeah. look at the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. shadows are key for yeah. sure. And that's a mistake that a lot of people have made. I've made that like 
they're, they're talking about movements you can get away with like if if it's like you know high time of the day like high noon or later sun's up high mm. in the sky and that elk's out in the sun and you're like in a real shaded spot it's insane what you can get away with yeah yeah like i had the the bull i shot this year that was that the elk was walking towards me yeah and i had to draw back i didn't have any obstruction to hide the draw from i just faced him so the movement was minimal and was in like a super shaded spot and he never picked up a single movement well we got videos uh on the way out there we were driving out and jason sent us videos on the phone i i think you guys stopped for lunch or something or maybe it was right after, after, I killed after my you bull. killed yeah i mean you guys weren't but 10 yards from him yeah and i mean he was just filming and they were just you could see they were close as can yeah. be to you guys yeah and I mean, you guys had four four people out there then, five? The, the wind, yeah. And yeah. they didn't care? The wind was good, and we were in shadows, and they were in bright sun. How long, how long did you guys sit there? Well, I shot my bull, and we watched him fall. And then, like, I was t- me and Brad and I talked about this. It was like that was – there's a couple things that bull was for me. It was like, one, that was the first bull I ever shot that wasn't called in. Mm-hmm. because we got just plum lucky um and two that was the that was like the the biggest herd of elk i'd ever been around mm-hmm. and like i said it was incredible well i mean we just we'd seen those elk crest the top of that mountain and brad was like let's sit here because there's a good chance they're going to come try to hit this water and if they don't we'll at least hear where they disperse to and we can try to go set up on something we're like cool yeah and then as luck would have it they come right down there but uh we were like again we were in i mean this was like somewhere between noon and one i think you Mm -hmm. know but you know midday yeah somewhere in there and uh high sun and we're in this stretch of trees that's like the shadiest spot you can find and the wind was fantastic and so i shot that elk and then he runs and the the rest of the herd comes down there and we sat there for probably at least half an hour i mean that's nuts yeah. You would have thought five people would have got busted yeah. somehow. Yeah. But no. I mean, it's just. Well, they didn't, other than like that one that Jason filmed, they weren't really coming up into those trees, which helped. And they were just kind of staying out there. They were focused on that water. And everyone, mm-hmm. everyone just kind of chilled because like it was kind of funny because I shot the bull and I started to like celebrate, you know, like high five David. And I, yeah. I spin around and I look and I see the rest of this herd coming down the hill. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no. Well, because I was like, yeah, I was get like, comfortable. Well, I was like, Slade still has a tag. Jacob still has a tag. We're probably going to come back here. Like, I don't need to go blow this entire herd of elk out. Yeah. So I just sat down in those yep. trees and just watched the show. Yep. Which ended up being pretty incredible in itself. Yeah. But, so. And then, now, did you guys, you guys pack yours out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, that's another thing. <laughs> that's another thing yeah. that is, uh, you know that's when the work definitely starts sure um jacobs was up in there a good bit thick stuff too yeah, pretty yeah. thick pretty thick um you know gathering everyone's stuff up and everything yeah. and we uh i was with the crew that you know got all the bags and that was on my back walking out which going is, to get the pack which is another back. beautiful thing of having a big group of people oh yeah so like we we have enough people where we can allot when we you know when we have the elk we're like this many people can stay behind and start cording them up 
and hang yeah. them from a tree or find a good rock to lay the meat on you know we um, very particular that meat gets taken care of you oh know? yeah and yeah. then the rest of the guys can go down and get the frames and, and mm-hmm. everything and then come back up and then most of the time we can take it out in one haul yeah, yeah. Well, and we did yeah so yeah there's there's three of us david slade and i yeah we got everyone's bags and everything and hiked out and got the pack frames that you guys use and then hiked back in yeah. was able to drive the truck a little bit closer mm-hmm. um and then uh that is one thing that you know i knew my role mm-hmm. so i knew i was going to be carrying stuff out and everything but that is one thing that i kind of wish I, I i saw and maybe that's a good idea for you guys to you know actually mm. film how you guys take care of that meat because when yeah. we got there like you said it was done that well what i found interesting that elk was not in the same spot i mean yeah. it wasn't far away but yeah. it was not in the same spot you guys right. must have moved it to get down to better rocks because so, it was all laid out nice yeah. and everything waiting on us so what and again well into the, the amount of like mediums we have to put this stuff out we definitely could show that in more detail the thing is like when we when the main avenue used to be outdoor channel yeah um there was like there was there was like uh, i can't remember the rules but there was like i mean you could show like a boned out elk strap but they didn't want to see us yeah I, I can't remember exactly the rules but that was a lot of the reason for it but yeah i mean basically what happens is especially if you're quartering it out like that is you'll basically use the the hide to keep it from the meat any of the meat from getting in the dirt and the ground mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah and that's when that's why you see the elk being moved around some because we're like all right hold the hide flip them over this way take this quarter off and then you know and then we're finding either good rocks to lay it on or hanging it from a tree yeah um but keeping good tabs on everything when y'all get there with the frames we just load it up and out we go yeah i mean we weren't there for but 10 minutes yeah after we got back yeah and we were all loaded up and headed out which again um many hands make short work yeah and also like uh brad who's been doing this for i don't know how long like if if i was captaining the ship of cutting up the elk i feel confident i could have gotten it done but it wouldn't have been done as fast as brad did but he's just been doing it for so long yeah Yeah. so long but even then i'm sure there were some because i'm sure jacob wanted to you know check that out and learn the ins and outs of it and everything like that for sure man and it's like it's not like a whitetail no not at all gut it out and drag it yeah you know or load it up well the thing is it's like i'm happy that y'all got to be in on a pack out yeah um, because i mean there's no bones about it there's several times even at other places that we've been to you kill an elk in a spot where you're able to pull a trucker and uh, or a side-by-side up to and you can gut him or quarter him and then get all the and there's really no pack out done yeah and i don't i don't fault those guys for doing that like i get it but i've told told them before they all think i'm crazy i'm like i wish i could pack out everyone we shoot just because i feel yeah. I, it just feels like part of it to me <clears throat> yeah and like to, yeah. The, to those guys point like like i don't know how many bulls brad's packed out in his <laughs> lifetime but it's been a lot it's been a lot and so and and david was in the same boat he's like having a easy one is rare so i'll take it yeah. i was like i've been elk hunting for this is my ninth year um I still don't think I've done enough to be able to deserve that. Like, I want to pack all of them out. Yeah. It just seems like part of it to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I was kind of, I was like secretly like 
fist pumping when I saw where Jacobs expired yeah, because I, I was like, we get to pack him out. I mean, let's be honest. There might have been, you know, three or four selfie shots with his hindquarter <laughs> on my back, you know, walking out. Let's just be, let's just be straight here. Yeah. <laughs> Send them to your wife. Check oh, it out. I might have. I might have. <laughs> hey, Dad, check this out. Yeah. Oh, is that yours? No. Not at all. Uh, well, no. it's partly. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just something that it, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. We never did. We started talking about Jacob's hunt and how close he ran past you, and we never really got to that. Oh, yeah. I, we I got, went down a tangent, well, didn't we? We all did. Yeah. We all did. But, I, I mean, like, before I want to at least get to that line before we leave here. So that was – so we've – going back to Jacob's hunt. Yep. Excuse Going back to, you know, the bull, we get in close on him like we talked about. Mm-hmm. He comes in. Um, he's coming on a – perfect line where he's going to walk past Jacob at like 20 yards um, and retrospectively I don't know what looked like to me was the perfect 20 yard avenue either he got past Jacob there or Jacob didn't have the same view as I had mm-hmm. but to me he got through that window and I was like oh no and he kind of gets to the top of this hill and I can see his head and his antlers I can't really see his vitals but I hear Jacob calling to stop him I'm like oh he must have a shot yeah and again, remember that the callers, Brad, Slade, Jason, Garrett, are like 40 yards away in the direction this bull is walking. And so Jacob stops him. He shoots. I hear the arrow hit. I can't see it hit because of the bushes and stuff. Mm. But I hear the arrow hit, and the bull takes off. And, like, I'm if I'm lying, I'm dying. I said this to you all while we were out there. Yeah. It's like my my attitude went from – there's an elk he got through his window oh no he's getting a shot he shot awesome and then when that bull started running i went oh no oh no is right because i've i've seriously this has happened before and or like things like this has happened before and it not turned out that great like that yeah. bull and a bull like is can be anywhere from 900 to 1200 pounds around there there's some bigger ones up in like oregon and stuff but it's a thousand pound critter they're not small with giant antlers on his head Mm -hmm. and he turns and runs right into where y'all are and he's on a death run and so i'm like i'm serious i was like oh my god like this i was waiting and then I, i i thought he was gonna get somebody like he almost got brad and slade yeah because slade was filming brad yeah because we knew it was going to be quick, so Slate turned that camera on and was strictly filming Brad. Yeah. He took off, mm-hmm. headed right for them. Yeah. Brad was, you know, Slade was kind of concentrating on Brad, filming him. Brad saw it. And, I mean, I've never seen a human move so fast. <laughs> I know Brad's in good shape, but yeah. uh, I, he could have dunked that day. He could have dunked a basketball. He yeah. jumped up so high. And I'm, if they didn't move, they would have gotten hit. Yeah. And Slade got it all on Phil. Poor Slade. He, the only reason Slade knew is because he was because filming Brad. Brad. Out of the way. Yeah, and, and you know I was ten yards from him, and I was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And then <laughs> Brad, so, I mean, he's like, running by, and Brad, double lung, baby, because yeah. you could definitely see where see it that, went. Yeah. You know, it was just it was crazy. Um, and that's the I mean that's the telltale of it all is you're speaking about an elk running away 10 yards from you and you're the far one i'm the far one you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like you're the yeah uh and like 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't want to paint like we're not telling the story as like the bull was charging at Brad. No, and he to was, get him. What happened was is they were just in the line with that elk, and when Jacob shot him, he took out running yeah. and just by happenstance ran right towards him. Yeah, I, I mean, he was just running straight, right? Yeah, he yeah. said, well, I didn't like that. Whatever that was, I'm yeah. going to start running away. Yeah. And they were right there. Yeah, that was that was insane. I've never seen that happen. Like I was like, oh no, I've heard stories, but someone's yeah. about to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it was thick in there, so they were able to you get know, out of the get, way, get out of the way, and yeah. everything. And and Brad had eyes on them and everything, so yeah. it was good. Cool stuff, man. Yeah. Well, um, Lord willing, like that will not be your only venture into elk country. Yeah, let's like, hope not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now that I got the bug, I was telling my wife, I was like, we're in trouble. We might go broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what a fun trip with uh, with better company. And yeah. I mean, I was just so thankful for the trip and able to go out there and learn as much as I did. Go out there and, you know, hang out with the guys and just be out in that country. Yeah, I've never seen that country before. Yeah. At least like that. So it's, it's something it's phenomenal. Old. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, the it's it's there's nothing like it. Um, it was fun having you in there. It was fun getting to test out those new calls. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I mean, they worked. Oh, just yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got some new acrylic open reeds coming out yeah. and that new bugle. Yeah. I mean, the boys loved them. Yeah. So excited about those coming out. Check them out. Yeah, for Selfless sure. Selfless plug. Selfless. Yeah. So this is the. This is the Primo Speak the Language podcast yeah, presented by out. Onyx. It's a very selfless yeah. plug. Use your Onyx maps and go buy a tramplifier and a big pop, <laughs> big papa. <laughs> oh, all right, guys. We're going to wrap this up. Um, Garrett, thanks for coming on. This Absolutely. Has, it's been an enjoyable conversation. As always, if y'all have any questions, topics you want covered, anything like that, you can email Podcast at gmail.com or you can message uh, the Primo's page on Instagram directly or my page directly. And uh, we'll catch y'all back here next week. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast presented by Onyx Hunt.